Turn to Malachi, the third chapter. You may think, well, where's, where's Malachi? That's, that's one of the, the, what's called the minor prophets. As a matter of fact, it's the very last book in the Old Testament. So if you, if you found in the New Testament, and, you know, you may, this may be one of the first times you've ever walked into to Rayford Road Church, any church. And, um, and let me just explain to you that the Bible is the Word of God. It's very, very important. It's, it's from which we, we base all that we, we believe and, and the things that we do. And I encourage you today, if you've never, if you've never searched the Word, please do that. The Bible says um, that the truth will set, set us free. And, 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 and the Word of God teaches us, thy Word is truth. And so it's, it's God's love letter that He has written to us to teach us how to live lives. And, and God wants you to be blessed within your life. And so therefore He's given us His Word. And He's also given us His Word to show that His great love for mankind you may walk in here today and think that, wow, there's, there's, life has been a mess and there's no one that loves me. But I can tell you, God loves you. And you can, you can take that to the bank and through His Word you begin to find that. Um, the Word of God is, is broken into two different portions. There's what you hear the New, New Testament and the Old Testament. The New Testament was the words that were written before Jesus Christ came. It's about, it was about the, the Word that was speaking about the coming of the great Savior, Jesus Christ. And then afterwards is the history and then the teachings of Jesus Christ that we found in the New Testament. And so, so again, it's this very orderly, and, and we just encourage you to get yourself involved. And, um, and, and first of all, just understanding the basics of the Word of God. And we, I think we take that under the assumption so many times that we can't do that. And, and I encourage you to familiar yourself with just how the, the Word of God is laid out. And, and, um, and I encourage you to delve yourself into it. It's kind of overwhelming at first. And because there's a lot of information there. But you know, you, 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 um, you handle that just like you'd, you'd eat an elephant one bite at a time. And, 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 and it's an amazing over the years. It's, it's a lifetime's process. And so we encourage you to do that. We're going to be looking at, at one, of, well, one of the prophets even that was about 600 years before Jesus or 400 years before Jesus um, even came on this earth. He was, he was speaking for, for God, speaking to the people. And we're going to be looking at a subject matter today that, that probably I realize that when I share this with you, you know, we, we'll, we, some people kind of bristle up. And I can tell you it's going to be one of the most important subject matters that you're going to have to determine within your life. And I just pray today that you would hear what I'm having to say and, and allow it to settle in because, folks, I'm going to be speaking to you some truth today that will change your life, some truth today that will set you free. The Word of God teaches us where Jesus says, I've come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. There's not a person in this place that, that, that would not desire to have life and have abundant life. And, and, and um, but before that was said, he said, the thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Today, those of us that find ourselves in bondage in any way is because we've allowed the thief and the, the adversary, the Word of God calls Satan, the, the, the great destroyer of our souls. He has an agenda to destroy your life and place you into bondage. And he does it in many, many, many different ways. And probably today we're going to be speaking about one of the greatest bondages that especially is in America today. It's the bondage of materialism. It's the bondage of money, and um, which absolutely controls our life. Many of you today walk in here today thinking, I don't even know how I want to pay my bills tomorrow. Many of you today, most Americans live today from paycheck to paycheck, and if, if I was to lose my job to, tomorrow, then I don't have any way to, to handle, um, handle my life for the next coming days. And you know what? I'm speaking to some people right now. And I'm going to be addressing some of that today because that's not what Christ has, has intended for you. Remember, Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and you might have abundance. He doesn't want you to sit there and be worrying about your financial affairs every single day. Matter of fact, he says, you know, you don't even need to take thought of that. And so, again, as strange as this all may seem, I, I'm going to be sharing something with that I really believe can help change your life. 
Because today we're going to be we're going to be looking we're, we've been looking over the last several weeks in in a series called the questions of stewardship. And and so we we we've talked about what is stewardship anyhow, and stewardship is simply is simply managing things that have been placed in your possession by another. And, you know, am I a good steward? Am I managing well what someone else has placed in my possession? And in all reality, that affects every part of our life. I mean, it affects the, the very air I breathe. We just think about that. The very air I breathe is because God has gifted today and shown grace to let another Another day arise, and he has allowed the elements and allowed me to breathe air today. Amen. And you know what? And, and you don't realize how important breathing is until you're like me, and you have bronchitis and, and, and problems with your air, and you're sitting there, and, and there's an elephant on your chest. You don't realize how much of a blessing it is just to be able to draw out a breath until you don't have that breath. Just like a person does not know how much of a blessing it is to get up and have energy until you've had heart problems that has just robbed you from all of your energy. And so every day that, that, that we get up and we can breathe air, we can have energy to live. Folks, that's a stewardship situation because we've been given another gift that day. The, to have, the Bible says that, that, that children are a heritage from the Lord, and although they'll drive our, put, make us pull our hair out, but how much of a blessing it is to have children? Or the Bible talks about, you know, the, a good wife is a good thing. It's a good gift from the Lord to have a wife who loves you. There's stewardship because, because the Bible teaches us every good and perfect gift has been given from the Lord. And so everything you enjoy is because God has blessed you with His grace. And, and so therefore, what am I going to do with that? The time that I've been given today. And we've been beginning to ask these questions, you know, that... that, that what is stewardship, and is it important? Sure, it's important. We've, been, we've asked the questions is, well, God makes all these promises, but can I really trust God? Now, sometimes we're afraid to, to address that question, but folks, we live our lives whether we trust God or whether we don't. And so, can I trust God? Is God faithful? There's another big question that we've looked at. Can God trust me? If God chooses to bless me, can he trust me? Boy, that's a biggie, isn't it? <clears throat> We've looked at the, 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 the question of what's my place in the body of Christ because the Word of God teaches us that when God saves someone, that he, he indwells that person with a gift of the Holy Spirit, and we're all different, and he's gifted us all differently in these places within the body. And so am I, am I, am I fulfilling the purpose that God has saved me for? And what's my role within the body of Christ? Because every one of you are important. If you're a child of God and you're a part of Rayford Road Church and you're part of Christ's body universal, then, then God has, he has created you. He's given you certain talents. He's given you specific gifts. And you're important to the body of Christ. We need one another. Amen. How good, how well of a steward are you being at, at doing what God has, has called you to do? So this is, an, there's, every part of our life deals with stewardship. And we're going to be looking at another question today on stewardship. And buddy, this is the nuclear question. This is the question that, that, that gets people all just riled up and, and, um, and gets them really talking about. And, and, um, and this is the question, do I really need to tithe? Or why should I tithe? See, some of you, because when I use the word tithe, you're already, I see your hands picking back because the preacher's about to get into your pocketbook. <laughs> if you want to get next, some, next to somebody, you start talking about their pocketbook. You know, it's just funny. You know, we live in a society that people talk about everything and, and um, you know, relationships. They talk about sex, but don't talk about my pocketbook. That's the holy grail. You see, if you have a problem with that, you might find out where some of your bondages are. And folks, I'm going to be speaking about that today. We're going to be talking about that, what the Bible talks about tithing and, and, um, and, and, and how good of a steward am I in that particular situation. 
Because I can promise you through personal experience, if you follow God's way, God will honor and God will bless you. And that's what we're going to be looking at in, in the passage. Let's all stand together as we read Malachi, the third chapter today. <coughs> I'm actually going to be looking back. And I want to, I want to pull up back a, a, a couple of passages. I want to move back to verse 6 of Malachi, the third chapter. And then after I read this, I'll come back and explain where, where Malachi is going, what Malachi is doing. The prophet Malachi, where God is speaking through the prophet Malachi, and he speaks these words. He says, for I am the Lord, I change not. Folks, God does not change. He's, he's immutable. He's the same yesterday, today, and he'll be the same tomorrow. And that's what's so good about when we serve a God, that we, we serve one whom we can lock a reference points on. That he's not moving around, and, and we're not trying to figure out where God is today. God's always in the same place. The problem is, we're the one that's not always in the same place. And God says these words, he says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. What, he say, what is he saying there? Well, what God is doing is he's writing through the prophets, um, and, and, and through the prophet Malachi, which he does through most of the prophets, and especially the minor prophets. There's, there's a theme that runs throughout all the prophets. That I'm God, that you're my people, but you have chose to turn your back on me. And because you've chose to turn your back on me, there's consequences for your sin, and, 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 and you're having to deal with terrible consequences of your sin. And folks, that's life. That's life. That doesn't change. That when we choose to disobey the rule of God, the, the economy of God, then, then our lives are going to begin to fall apart. Not that necessarily God is putting his hammer down on us just because our bad choices have, has, has, has brought, brought bad consequences within our lives. But through most of all the prophets of God, it kind of begins like that, but then it says, But God says, I love you, and I'm a merciful God. And although you've made a, lie, a mess out of your life, and although you've turned your back on me, I've not turned my back on you. And I'm a God of redemption. I'm a God of deliverances. And, and I choose to step back into your life and bless you. And that's why God is saying here, he's reminding them, I'm God, I change not. I, even though you fail in your promises, I don't fail in my promises. Because if I failed in my promises, I'd already got rid of all of you. I'd have got tired of all of your stupidity. I'd have got tired of all of your, your rejection and your rebellion. I'd have just allowed you to be destroyed by your own choices. But because God, I'm changed not, you are not consumed. Isn't that good news? See, that's, that's the message of the cross, that, that the wages of sin is death because we've all sinned. We've, we all deserve hell. But God says, but, but although you've rejected me, I'm a merciful God, and I sent my son to pay your price on Calvary. That, that I have chosen to give you opportunity to be redeemed. And we hear this message over and over and over and over and over and over in Scripture. And I tell you, folks, that is a great message. And what God had done through Malachi, he began to, to show them the many things that they have done. And, and he, he began, he says, you know, you've, you've rejected me because you've brought... Your, your, your worthless sacrifices to the altar, instead of bringing your best, you brought your blind and your lame. And, you know, um, you know, if I had an old lame cow out there, well, I'll bring that one I, because it's not going to bring much to that market anyhow. You've brought me the pitiful sacrifices. Priests, you've, you've welled and you wept, but you've turned your heart against me. He, he, he talks about that, that also how you've defiled the wives of your youth, that you've... You, if, if, if your wife hasn't pleased you, then you just give her a certificate of divorce, and God says, I hate divorce. God does not change, folks. He still hates it today. 
And so he, 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 you know, and what's so funny is throughout it, as God is dialoguing, the people says, well, God, how have we turned our back on you? And so then he says, this is how you've done it. And, but, but then he says, you know what, though? Because I change not, I'm going to send a messenger, and my messenger is going to deliver you. But I think it's funny that it's right in the middle of this, this dialogue between God and his people about how you've rejected me and, and, and you, you, you've had all these issues within your life, but I'm going to send a messenger. It's like he's had to say, he had to get back at one more time. I want to show you something else you've done. And listen to what he says. I, I know that was a big intro on, on, on just that verse, but you need to understand the context of the word. God says, I changed not, otherwise you'd be consumed. He says, even from the days of your fathers, you were gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But you said, wherein shall we return? Isn't that just like a child? Never wants to admit. They want to question, well, what have I done wrong? And then God says, well, a man robbed God, yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee in, in tithes and offerings? You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and, and prove me or test me now herewith, said the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up to you the windows of heaven and pour out to you a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all the nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful some land, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, Father, I just pray that you'd just take these words and, and God, you'd just bless them. These are yours, dear Father. And I, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you're working right now, that, that God, that you are going to be speaking to people and um, revealing yourself, dear Father, that God, that we might be set free, that we might be set free, dear Father, from the devourer, that we might be set free from, God, the bondages of our own heart, and God, that, that Christ might be exalted in our lives. God, I pray that you'd bless this time and use it for your glory in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Wow. Do I really, really need to tithe, or why is it so important? I think that if we, we look in God's Word and we begin to, to, to examine God's Word, not only within the passage of Malachi, but also before, as also afterwards, we'll begin to realize that this is a very major import of our Christian walk. The Bible says we're to grow with the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we're to be conformed into the image of, of Jesus Christ. The, Father, the, the, the friend's salvation is so much more than just the day we, we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior and we trust in the blood to save us from our sins, and, and that's, that's our time of conversion. But that's only the very first part of our lives. Our salvation is past, present, and future. It's that point in life where, where we've committed our life to Jesus Christ. We've been born into his family, but that is just the beginning of our salvation. Our salvation will not end until we get to heaven and we, 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 are, we receive our glorified body and the Bible says we shall be like him. But during that process for where each one of us live today, if we truly are a child of God, we're in the process of, of being saved, of taking off the old world and putting on Jesus Christ. And, and, and that's part of, and what has to happen is the taking off is we have to shed ourselves of what we used to think was life and begin to put on true life, who is Jesus Christ. And part of that deals with that very subject matter that we're speaking of today and the subject matter of stewardship, where my entire idea changes of what life is all about. And folks, the idea of the tithe is right in the middle of that. I want us to ask some just very simple questions or some very basic or very small questions when we deal with the tithe. And sometimes we make these the big questions, but they're not. They're just, they're just the, the nuts and bolts. You know, the first thing that you may ask today as we're talking about this, what is a tithe? 
And that, that, that subject matter may be very new to you today, or, or today you may have heard it so many times you've just kind of turned it off. But it, tithe is a very real word within the Scripture, and as a matter of fact, it's a word that simply means ten, or it can mean also tenth. And so a tithe is simply a, um, a way that God describes, this is how I want you in relationship with me and, 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 and proving some things in, my, in, in life. In, in, the, in the Old Testament, when God gave his law through Moses, he spoke to the people of Israel about that when, when they have their harvest and, or their, their, their calves come in or anything that they have gainful, is for them to bring a tithe unto the Lord. If you have ten calves and and um, bring bring a tenth unto the Lord, bring one of those calves unto the Lord. If you have your your wheat that comes in and you have um, ten stacks of it, bring a tenth of that to the Lord. And it was a way that that God had had given to the people to recognize that that all things come from Him, but also how to do. His work, and we'll, we'll speak about that in just a moment. And, and when you look at that, I think there's just two things that's very important about when you're speaking of the tithe. First of all, it's, it's very simple. A tenth. Man, I praise God that he didn't say an eighth or a, or a twelfth because we'd all have to break out our calculators, and they didn't have tax calculators way back then. A tenth, that's pretty simple. I mean, whatever one-tenth of something is, I can just move one decimal point, and I can determine what God desires of me in, in my ministry back to him. A tenth. That means if I go out and, and um, I do a little project, and I'm, I make $100, and a tenth, that's very easy. I, you know, that, that I'm to bring my tithe into the Lord, that's $10. Pretty simple. I think it's something very else that's very important about the method that God used is this very equal. That, that God just says, you know, it doesn't matter whether you have a lot or have a little, doesn't matter whether you have a thousand cows or doesn't matter whether you have 10 cows. I'm, I'm not asking you for a, a number. I'm just asking you for a percentage of that. And so it's this equal to all people. And so it's, it's the same sacrifice, whether you're a rich man or whether you're a poor man, it's equal. And so this system that God has put into place, again, it's very simple, and it's also very equal within its distribution. And so let's just, that's what, and so that's what tithe means. When you, when you hear the word tithe, it simply means tenth. You can just write that down, tenth. The second question that we need to ask, <coughs> ask is a very simp- simple question that we need to look at, is, is who should tithe? Who is that for? Well, it's for the people of God. This passage is written in Malachi, just like the, 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 the law that was given through Moses, just like we'll find within the words that are found in the New Testament, they are for the people of God. Now, for your information, not all people are considered people of God. It's only those who are part of what's considered the family of God. In the Old Testament um, it, was, it was those who were born into the Jewish world, into the, to the Jewish nation. But now today within the New Testament, what we understand that because Jesus Christ came, he came for all people, that the Bible says we are the new Jews. We are the new Israel. And so if, if you today have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've received the blessings of your salvation and been born into the family of God, the Bible says we are part of the new Israel. We are the people of God. And so, therefore, his instructions apply to you and to me. That's, see, I can't expect a person that's not a Christian or not a part of the people of God to do these things because they don't know God. They're not a part of the people of God. I pray one day they can become part of the people of God. And so today, if, if, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ... Um, God doesn't expect you to, to give a tithe. He does expect you to come to him for salvation, which is the greatest of, of all gifts, and, and we'll address that. But if you are a person, if you call yourself a child of God, that you're a part of the new Israel, that you are, then, then this speaks to you. It's not for just a certain class of Christians. It's for all Christians. It's all the people of God. It, it, it goes out to all of us. 
A next question that we need to ask ourselves is, boy, I hear this all the time, and, and where should I tithe? Well, what if I just give down at the lodge, you know, where they're, they're, they're helping sick children down there? What if I, you know, give to this guy that is promising me all this stuff on TV, you know? Well, the Bible's pretty clear about that. The Bible says, bring all you tithe into the storehouse. The Bible says it should be, it should be brought into the local place of God's service. Now, within, within the time that Malachi was written, that, that, that was speaking of the temple. And the reason this was, 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 was what God says, bring your place into the storehouse, because within the temple, there was actually storehouses. Remember, they, they, did, not, they did not deal with a monetary type of a uh, economy then. They dealt with, with, people didn't, it wasn't easy to cash your goods into money and have banking systems like we have. And so people had their cattle, they had, their, they had the fruit of the land, and so they had a storehouse that they would bring it into. Also, you have to remember that within in biblical times, and I think the principle is still in the same, they did not have welfare systems. Governments did not have welfare systems in biblical times. Never was, you know, the Roman government or the Israeli government was not sending out a check once a month at the first of the month. Folks, that was all handled through God's people. Isn't that a good system? We're people helping people because that helps fulfill the, the idea you love God. And how do you love God? You love them through loving people. Now, also, I'll just tell you, it didn't mean that there was a free handout everywhere. There was very strict, strict regulation. Who would be ministered to? But still, the, the ministering to the, the, the people of the land was done through the, the people of God. And how this was taken care of is because when the people of God would be faithful in their tithe, bringing it to the storehouse, then it would take care of the priest and also the ability then to minister to the widows and the orphans. See, God has a plan into place. And folks, I think that plan would still work today if we'd be faithful. And so, so God says, you don't need to give down here, give there, and feel that you're pleasing God. If you're going to pay your tithe unto the Lord, you bring it to the Lord's house. Later, when the temple was destroyed, there was the synagogues, and today, within the local church, it's the local body. And folks, it does not relieve us of the responsibility today of ministering to people and doing the God's work. And that's how God's work is to even to be taken care of today is through the tithes of God's people. Let me just stop and put a parenthesis here. I thank God for Rayford Road Church. Rayford Road Church is, is, a, is a church that takes very seriously of ministering to the hurting people. That's why Rayford Road Church, a large part of, of, of our, our budget, goes directly towards mission. That's why we, we, we work overseas in, in, in Honduras. And we have, folks, we've, we've built over, over 100 churches in, in Honduras. We've built children's homes. We've ministered to literally hundreds of thousands of women and children. We're sending medical teams down there, and, to, and, and not only to minister their physical needs, but also to, to talk to them about their spiritual needs. We have missionaries on the ground that, that, that's down there, but not only there, but also in Baker County. This church, you, you know, this church has purchased prime property in, in downtown McClinney, Florida, have what we call the care center where we can, we, we, we give out, we give out thousands, thousands of pieces of clothing every single week and we need your clothing. And, and we, you know, we're the big supporters. This, we're the major supporters. Of the Florida First Coast Women's Center, we believe that every life is valuable to Christ, even the life of the wound, even the life in the wound. And, and this church has, has, has dug deep to, to make sure that there's a place called First Coast Women's Services. We, we, we have counseling offices. We, we spent $400,000 years ago with property behind us so that we could provide homes for some people that, that, that are disadvantaged. And folks, the story goes on and on and on of what Rayford Road Church does. You look around and you find someone else that does that. I'm just, I'm just, hey, I'm just speaking truth. But every penny that finances all of this comes from the tithes and offerings of Rayford Road Church. You never will see Rayford Road Church having a fundraiser asking the community to help us do God's work. 
Because we believe in the tithe and offering. We believe that's what God has called us to do, that the tithe should come into the storehouse, and then we should be faithful to go out and help those outside. And the reason that we don't, we, we don't go out and, 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 and say, hey, help, help us send our kids on mission trips, we do it for two reasons. First of all, because we realize if, if our people are faithful, then we're going to have more money than what we need. Uh, well, we, no, not the, I can't say what we need because we, we just have to find out more places to, to minister to people. But God's, God's economy works. And if our people are faithful, there's always going to be monies there to minister in any different place that we need to minister. Second of all, what type of testimony is that if we go to the community and say, God can't help us, we need you to help us to do his work? Folks, we don't want to give that type of testimony to the community. Now, we're the ones that's pouring out into the community. We're not asking the community to give to us. And that's what the principle is of what we're speaking about. And I want to, I just I say that because I want to thank God for Rayford Road Church. You're faithful. And because of your faithfulness, and does everyone tithe? No. I thank God for those of you that are faithful. Because this church is, is, does very good within that. But folks, it should be God's desire as every person that's a part of Rayford Road Church gives tithes and offerings unto the Lord. And therefore, folks, we, we would have to be sitting down and thinking, it's amazing what God could do if our church really, really began to be faithful to this. And you're already doing a wonderful job. Now, to me, that gets me excited. That's why I'm not ashamed of bringing a message like this because, folks, God has called us to a work to change our community and show the love of Christ. And, and, and the way that that work is, uh, is, is happens is through us being faithful. And so you can be assured that when you give into the local body and bring it into the storehouse, that, that, that it's being used to spread out. Folks, our, our monies goes to the prisons. Our monies goes to the homeless. Our monies go to people that don't have clothes. Our money goes to Honduras and, and some mountain somewhere. But it all comes from right here. So basically, the ministries of Rayford Road Church is really dependent on the faithfulness of Rayford Road Church. Because that's why he says, bring all your tithes into the storehouse. I think he said, and listen to what he says, bring all your tithes, not part of them. Don't say, okay, I'll give, bring part. It's not a tithe if it doesn't come into the storehouse. Now, you may give an offering someplace else, but he says, bring all your, your tithe that goes into the storehouse. Now, if you want to give extra, give extra. But a tithe is a tenth, and he says, bring all of that tithe into the storehouse. And then there's always the question I hear a lot, <coughs> is tithing a part of the law? Remember, we're under the new covenant. We're not under the law anymore. You know, I find out that there's a lot of times that people ask questions because that's just a, that's just a sneaky way to get out from under something. And, um, and um, first of all, is tithing part of the law? Well, it was part of the Mosaic law, Levitical law. You can find it in Leviticus 27. I mean, it was very, very much stated within the, within the law that, that, um, that in all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree is the Lord's, and it is holy unto the Lord. And, and so he said the tithe is holy to the Lord. And so you may say, well, that was all accomplished with Christ, okay? I, I, I believe that, that when Christ came and he died, he set us free from the, the burden of the law. But folks, the principle is still the same. As a matter of fact, there's something that you need to understand that not only was it part of the, the Levitical or the Mosaic law given, I believe it's part of the moral law that was given also. And see, the moral law never changes. And, and when, when I say that, um, I, can, I can bring some scripture to you that, that first of all begins with one of the very first men. And although it doesn't mention tithe, I believe it's very, very much important that, that if you go back 
and, and look in, in Hebrews 11, chapter verse 4, the Bible says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, which he obtained a witness that he was righteous. Now what was that sacrifice? Why was, why was Abel's sacrifice more excellent than Cain, and that, that it made Cain so jealous that he killed his brother? I think if we go back, and, and there's, there's, there's no doubt there's some ideas whether it was the blood sacrifice, but folks, the only thing that the Bible says is this. In Genesis 4.4, And he, Abel, also brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And what it's implying that when Abel brought his offering, he brought the very best he had. That's the only, it didn't talk about the blood or anything. It talked about that when Abel bought his offerings to God, he brought the very best. And this is, this has all types of superlative singing that he brought the fat of his sheep. He brought the best he had to the Lord. And I think that was a, that was a kind of a glimmer of, 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 of a moral idea that God, you have blessed me and God, you deserve the best that I have. You deserve my first fruits. Hmm. Also, several hundred years before the Mo- before Moses even lived, there was a guy by the name of Abraham. Anybody ever heard of Abraham? He was the father of he was a, the, the the father of righteousness, the the granddaddy of all the the patriarchs of the twelve tribes of Israel, and and that was long before Moses ever lived. That Abraham had, had had tried to rescue a nephew from a bunch of um, kings, and he took a few of his guys, and God gave him a great, great victory. This is before there was a temple. This was before there was um, uh, 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 any type of law system. But Abraham was so honored that God would bless him. The Bible says he went to a place which we know now today was Jerusalem. He went to the king of Salem. There was a king, which we find out later was a type of Jesus Christ. We find that again in the, in the New Testament. And he brought the king of Salem, which means the king of righteousness. Isn't that kind of neat? That didn't have any heritage. You know what he brought him? He brought him a tithe. So if you want to get tiptoe around, well, I'm not under the law anymore. Abraham wasn't either. Abel wasn't either. But they realized there was something that they needed to bring to the Lord. Folks, those are just the basic questions. There's some bigger questions that we really need to ask ourselves. These are questions that are matters of the heart. You see, we can, we, if you've got to get technical and you're giving to God, then you're missing the point anyhow. I mean, if you got to sit there with your calculator, even though God made it very, very simple, if you got to sit there with your calculator and make sure God gets us, you're missing it, folks. God's not looking at all the dots. He's looking at your heart. And 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 because really this whole thing, as we see with Abraham, as we see with with Abel, is a matter of the heart. And this is why this is so important to you and me. Again, if all you're trying to do is make sure you're doing something to please God to, to, to do that, then you're, you're basing your tithe on works, and folks, we're not saved by works. It should be an expression of your heart. So the larger questions, and let me give pers- two personal observations. And folks, I, I think there's, these are some of the most critical things. I'd really desired to preach this last week because all the children would be here. And the reason I gave such a detailed outline is because parents, I want you to be able to go and teach this to your children. Your children need to hear this because you can set them free. But two great personal observations. Then this is just from my standpoint as a pastor looking back over the years. Is how an individual handles his or her finances is the single greatest outside indicator about the inside, one's inside spirituality. How you handle your finances is the greatest outside example of what's going on in your life. Because one thing people get serious about is their money. And if you show me your checkbook and if you show me your bank accounts, I can show you what's most important to you. Where do you spend your money? And folks, that is just a flat-out truth. 
If you want to get honest about, and, 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 we, and what I'm taking is, let's take emotions aside. But if you let somebody sit down with how you spend your money, that person can come back in a very objective way. Not subjective, but a very objective way of what's most important to you. We spend our money on those things that are most important to us. And a quiet, and a silence is across. That's just some basic observations from a guy. It's not the smartest thing in the world, but folks, it is what it is. The second observation that I have I have observed over my years in ministry is when an individual or a couple commits to the tithe, it's the first great spiritual marker and points of growth in their lives. When I see a young man or a young woman or a couple commit themselves into the tithe to the Lord, I can, I can see as a pastor that God's beginning to do something in that person's life. <laughs> I don't know why it's true, but folks, it's true. Because I realize that they're beginning to separate themselves from the things of the world and, and begin to separate unto the things of God. And so, um, it just again, it's one of those things that is what it is. And so I ask you to hear that, and I ask you to take it, and take it from love, because, folks, my desire as a believer in Jesus Christ, as a pastor in Jesus Christ, is to see you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And, 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 and if I know that this is a, a major marker in your life, then, then I'm giving a disservice to you if I'm not being honest with you in addressing this. God wants to set you free. You see, because tithing answers the question of worldview, and I've already dealt with this in stewardship, how do I see the world? I've already shared with you before in this area of stewardship that you either see the world in one of two ways. You see the world that, that where God is the center of the world and everything else revolves around the world, or you see the world from a humanistic or a secular point of view where I am the center of my world and everything else revolves around me. And the thing about it, tithing shows me, if, I, if I'm tithing from a pure heart, that I am not the center of my world, but God is the center of my world. And that everything I have is because of Him. And so therefore, even the, the house that I live in, the car I drive, or the job that I have is because God has given that to me. And so therefore, I want to be faithful to that God whom, the, who, whom is the center of my world. Now, if I'm the center of my world, then that house is mine, that job is mine, that money in the pocket is mine, that health is mine, and I will tip God if I feel like I want to. That's my decision. And so really, when it gets down to tithing, it really begins to allow you to see, if you have a problem with that, then it may be that your world system, you just need to just be honest with yourself. That's all I'm asking, is that you have a very humanistic or secular world um, view of, of the things. This is broken down pretty, pretty easy. And so, uh, so again, how you, how you handle your money will determine, will, will reveal what is your real world view. And God has called us to a biblical worldview. Another thing is, is that tithing answers the questions of lordship. What really is the Lord of my life? What controls my life? Something controls your life. And see, we, we, we don't like to talk about this, but, but there's something that is a motivating factor for you to make the decisions that you make. Now, if you live again within America, the, the biggest motivating factor of what we do today is based upon pocketbook. Folks, our elections rise and fall on people's pocketbooks. We, are, we, we can understand that elections in the United States is not based upon moral values, it's based upon pocketbook values. Who's going to give me more? Now you can talk all day long that I'm against this and I'm against that and I'm against that, but the final thing that calls a person to make their vote, and folks, it's just as important within the church also, is based upon pocketbook. So that tells me that the thing that controls your life is not from a moral standpoint, not from a, a, a godly standpoint, but from a material standpoint. And, and so therefore you have a, you have a world, uh, a humanistic worldview or a secular worldview. 
And that's what controls your life. Money controls your life. If you have a person that that God absolutely controls your life and you recognize and this is what he wants me to do, then God, what I have is yours anyhow, so therefore you just tell me what you want me to do with it. Did Jesus address this? Hmm. Just as about as straight as you could. I mean, buddy, he, 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 he brought it to the wheelhouse when Jesus Christ, when he was talking on this very matter of who's the Lord of my life in Matthew 6, 24, he says, no man can serve two masters for either he'll hate the one and love the other or else he will hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So really tithing deals with the lordship issue. Whom do you serve? It's also tithing answers the question of worship. Worship is showing value. That's worth, showing worth. When I worship God, I come and I'm saying, God, you are valuable to me. That God, that you are due my time, you're due my, my prayer, you're, you're due my thoughts. That God, that when I worship you, that I am showing value to you. That's worship. And I worship God through my song. I worship God through my Bible study. But I worship God in my work. I worship God in the way I handle my money. I worship God because I'm showing God, Lord, I value you. You see, when, when, Abel, when Abel, who is the, the second son of, of Adam and Eve, and, and I believe that Adam and Eve told the great story about when they sinned and they hid from God and they tried to cover up their own sins, that, that, that God in his mercy came and came looking. I love that story. Because it's such that when they went and hid from God and covered up their own sins, God came looking for them. And God took an innocent animal and, 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 and killed an innocent animal and put coverings over them, representing the covering of sin. I, I think that Abel was so amazed by that story from his mom and dad that when he grew to be a man, there was nothing good, good enough that he couldn't bring God. And so that when that he so was in love with God that he worshiped God by bringing the very best he had to God. Cain wasn't like that. You know, Cain just brought the leftovers kind of to God. And the Bible says God despised Cain's offering, but he accepted Abel's because Abel's was brought out of worship. Cain's was brought out of that he thought he had to. Abraham worshiped God because when God delivered him in that great battle, and God, Abraham said, this stuff's not mine. This is stuff that God has blessed us with. And I've got, I want to worship God. So he, he went and he, and he found what was called the king of righteousness. And he says, I, I just want to give back to you. And it was worship. Folks, if you're giving grudgingly, God doesn't need your money. God owns the cattle in a thousand hills. And if you think you're doing a God a favor by writing him a $10 check, you, it's, there's dangers because you're, you're fooling yourself. God wants worshipers. God wants people to come to, to saying, God, you are valuable to me. And God, I... I only wish I could give more. And so it answers the question of worship. What do you worship? Do we bow at the throne of God or do we bow at the the throne of our materialistic world? I know this is hard hitting, but folks, this is the core of our life. And that's why it's so important to me to share this because it can set you, it's, it's set me free. It's set me free before. And I've talked to so many people that said, God set me free. This also answers the question of gratitude. Am I really thankful for what God has given me? It's, Paul says in, in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In everything give thanks. I want to read you something 
to, to give you an idea, this comes from psychology today, folks. This is not a Christian publication. This is not a Christian publication. But in psychology today, it speaks about the secular understanding of the importance of gratitude. It says gratitude is an emotion expressed in appreciation for what one has, as opposed to, for example, a consumer-driven emphasis of what one wants. Gratitude is getting a great deal of attention as a faucet of, of positive psychology. It, studies show that we can deliberately cultivate gratitude and cre- increase our well-being and happiness by doing so. In addition, gratefulness and especially expression of it to others is associated with increased energy, optimism, and em- empathy. Hello, they're just catching up. The Bible says if we are grateful, God will bless us. And now the psychology is catching up with this a wonderful idea. But, but because ingratitude is just self-absorption out there. And so when we want to hold everything close, we are just, we're just drying up on the vine. And so it's a question of gratitude. Tithing also answers the question of obedience. Am I going to obey God or not? You've heard me express many times before that blessings always follow obedience. And throughout the scripture, whether you want to argue whether it's law or not, you can't deny that where it says you um, bring your tithe into the storehouse, you can't deny where even in the, the Levitical, which is a establishing principle, where Jesus Christ, even when he condemned the, the Pharisees, you know, that they, they were using their tithe so everybody can see. He says, Why? these things you should have done, you've just done them the wrong way. So Jesus himself confirmed that the tithe was important. Am I going to be obedient to God or not? You know, how can I come and I ask God to help me through all my life when I'm living in open disobedience? And I think the biggest thing is, is man, this, this, is, this is the haymaker to me. Tithe also answers the question of integrity. Why don't you look in verse 8? Will a man rob God? Don't you hate a thief? I've told you before about my dad. He hated a thief. I mean, he told me before, son, and I've shared this before, you you get out and make some bad mistakes. If you ever get caught stealing, don't call me. And I got caught stealing one time. Didn't call dad either. Because my daddy lived by the philosophy, you know, he would give you the shirt off his back, just don't steal from him. Is it worse to steal from somebody else or is it worse to steal from God? Will a man rob God? Now, folks, you you admit you've got to deal with that. Now, if, if there was one of our leadership of Rayford Road Church, or, if, or if, if I was a pastor of Rayford Road Church, and you all found out that I'd been in a part of embezzling, or, or you know, I'd robbed, uh, um, I, I'd robbed the bank or a convenience store, I'd be out of here in a second, and I should be. But we're a lot more concerned about people robbing other people than people robbing God. Because we don't want nobody to know whether we tithe or not. Well, folks, I don't know whether you do or not, but I do know this. If you're not, then the Bible says you're robbing God. That's tough, isn't it? And so it's really a matter of integrity. Am I being faithful to God? And, and um, how, God, how, how do we rob you? He answers the questions in tithes and offerings. To me, I think it's a pretty good deal that God has given us. That, Listen, I'll give you everything. I just ask you for a tithe back. 
Now, in, in most businesses, that would be a pretty good... Chris, that'd be a pretty good business. When somebody comes to you and says, hey, Chris, you know what? I'm going to give you everything. Would you, just, would you just bring me 10% back? And then us get too stingy to give that person to give us everything 10% back. See, this is where it just really breaks down. You know, don't hold on to your wallet because that's not yours anyhow. It's God's. See, tithing also answers the questions of trust. Do I really trust God? I think it's, this is where it really gets down to, the, to it. Do I really believe that I can trust God to take care of me if I'm faithful in my tithe? Have you ever heard somebody say, or have you ever said to yourself, I can't afford to tithe? When are you going to get to that point? The real question is, do I trust God? I think it's one, one thing, you know, I, think God's, <laughs> I think God's got a great sense of humor because what I found out in my life and most people's life, that, that when he sends his Holy Spirit to begin to convict people in this area, that's when they're the most broke they can be. I mean, when you don't have nothing, and then God begins to knock at you, he says, are you tithing? I said, God, I can't, I can't even buy some chicken noodle soup. And you want me to tithe? I didn't ask you about the chicken noodle soup. I'm asking you, are you tithing? See, it's easy to give 10% when the, when the, when the wagon is full. Because you still got a bunch of wagon left. It's tough to give it when your wagon's bare. But folks, that's what's so great about it. But how, and, and there's another th- sense of humor I'll, I'll, I'll throw into that. I don't know how many times a story that when people were that, they begin to tithe and then the refrigerator breaks down. Or the transmission falls out of their vehicle. And then you have to decide, am I going to pay Curly or am I going to pay God? <laughs> hey, I've been there, folks. Because God's going to test us. But folks, I cannot tell you how many testimonies I've had come to me and say, Pastor, I fought God with this thing. I fought God and I fought God with this thing. And I held on and I held on. But finally, he, I, I gave it to him. And God, I cannot tell you how God has blessed my life. That God, is, God can do more with the 90% than I can do with the 100%. I have heard that story so many times, I could just rattle off story after story. And, and so God builds up faith. So it answers the, the, the trust questions. Can I, you know, do I, the question of trust. And also, it tied and answers the, the, the blessings. Do I want blessings from God or not? Now, if your motive of tithing is to get blessings from God, you've got it all wrong. But if you understand that, that, that God is faithful, and if you're faithful to him, blessings always follow obedience, then you, you realize that that's just a blessing that God has. And folks, God, did you know that there's one? I'm going to ask you to do a, a little thing. I'm going to ask you, if you would this year, read your Bible all the way through. There's only one place in all the Bible God says, you test me. It's right here. And he says, you prove me in this. If you would bring your tithe into the storehouse, he gives three blessings he's going to bring in your life. And folks, this is God, and God does not change. And the three blessings he says, and he says, you prove me, you test me. God's not afraid of you testing him. He says, there's three blessings. He says, if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out on you a blessing and that you will not have room enough to receive it. Now, he may not, that might not be a financial blessing, but I tell you what, as a daddy, I have no greater blessing than knowing that i got three children walking with God right now. Money can't buy that. So God may give me a blessing greater than any financial, you know, 
I'm, I'm sorry, folks. I sat there and list, listened to some shysters on TV the other night talking about if you'd send them the, your tithe up there, then you're going to get you a million dollars. You better run as hard as you can. There's snakes in the grass. Go, yeah, folks, I don't want, the world can't give me what God can give me. He says, and you see if I want to open up heavens and I'll put some blessings in your life. And you will know what those blessings are. He didn't stop there. He went on and says, and I will, rebu- I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither your vine cast her fruit off before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. That God will keep the evil one from maybe destroying that next refrigerator. <laughs> that next one might last you 25 years. Now, I hadn't had one then, but, um, <laughs> but what I'm saying, folks, he can make them shoes wear longer. He can make them clothes wear longer. He can, he can, he can, he can, he can keep the market from affecting your, your um, money market account. See, he says, I will keep, see, he's protect, he's, in one way he says, I'll bring blessings on you, but also I'll protect you from stuff that will, 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 dis- will destroy you. Your ability. And then I love this one in verse 12. And all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful some lamb, saith the Lord, that other people will look at you and say, you know what, I don't know why, but God's blessings are upon you. That, other, that God will use you and me to see, for people to see God's favor upon you. Folks, that's witness. That's witness. Wow, I've talked a lot, but this is a lot to be said. The greatest question, you know, we've talked about the smaller questions and bigger questions, but the greatest question we have to ask, am I willing to commit my tithe unto the Lord? See, we can know all this stuff mentally and be convicted about it. The question is, am I going to do something about it? And that's the question I leave you today. As a matter of fact, I can put a line there at the end of your, that you may want to sign it. There's something about making commitment. And I'm not ashamed of asking for commitment because I want your life to be changed. And again, parents, as a matter of fact, I, I, I put a more detail than I usually because you need to go teach this to your children. And, 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 and I think there's some important principles that I've shared with you today. Folks, God's going to take care of me. He's going to take care of his church. The question is, what about yourself? But I also want you to know that you're a part of a great church. You're a part of a great work that has great vision. And folks, God, God handles that through you people. We don't get any government subsidies around here. God bases his ministry on you. But also God wants to bless you. And I challenge you today in the name of Jesus Christ, I challenge you today according to his word. Let God set you free. You trust God rather than trust the world. And God will turn around and he will bless you like you've never been blessed. And I can say that because God does not change. God is faithful. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just praise you and we thank you for this day. God, this is tough subject matter, Lord. But God, I believe it with all my heart. And God, I believe that, God, that you want to do a mighty work. Not only within individuals, you want to do a mighty work through this church. And God, I just pray that, God, that we can be faithful in this matter. God, that that, that you can just um, use it for your glory. God, I pray that you'd bless this time in Christ's name. Amen. I want to say something before I close. The Lord brought it to me while I was praying. I've been part of a lot of churches. Most churches think, well, you know, we need to tithe into the Lord. And so most churches, when they do their budgets... 
they figure out 10% to work for missions and ministries and say, well, we're faithful to the tithe. Thank God for Rayford Road Church. You constantly give over 25% of, 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 of the offerings. Straight to missions. That's not, that's not counting even the stuff we do right here, but I'm, I'm saying straight to mission ministry. You go over and above. And I applaud you for that. I'm excited about being a part of a family like that. And, and, um, but that's who you are as a church. I thank God for you all. So, but as, as the Holy Spirit spoken to your life today, you may just want to come and say, God, you may be faithful. You may be faithful, but you may say, God, I just want to be faithful. Faithful to you. Maybe you're here today, even in a message like this, and you've never met the, the you've never received the greatest blessing, the great blessing of salvation. You couldn't look at me and say, Pastor, I, I couldn't tell you if I died today where I'd spend eternity. The Bible says you can know that. It's only through Jesus Christ. Oh, and I'm asking you to come and receive the greatest gift that God has for you. It's the gift of salvation. We'll meet you right here and we'll talk to you about that. God has something special for your life. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Do something about it today, folks. Do something about it as we stand. We sing. I know I've preached a long time today, but I believe this is important stuff. This Would you come? Would you come today? God loves you. God wants to bless you.